Hello, and welcome to the Canine Conversations podcast, where we're positively obsessed with behavior. Join certified dog trainers as we discuss case studies, explore training concepts, and interview experts in the field of behavior. My name is Marissa Martino, and I'm the owner of Pause and Reward Dog Training in Boulder, Colorado. And I am joined with my amazing co-hosts, Ursa and Kayla. I'm Ursa Acri, and I'm the co-owner of Canis Major Dog Training in Denver, Colorado. And I'm Kayla Fratt. I'm the owner of Journey Dog Training, which works both remotely around the world and in person in Missoula, Montana. So the three of us today are going to talk about dog selection. So how did we choose our best friends and how do we recommend to our clients what they should consider when they're looking for their best friends? So we're going to start with our internal process first. So we're going to go around the room. And the first question is, what was our internal process for choosing one of our dogs? So Ursa, I know that you have multiple. Kayla and I have just one dog each, which is kind of crazy uh, that we only have one dog. <laughs> um, however, Ursa, choose one dog and think about like what was your internal process when you were adopting, purchasing, whatever the case may be, your dog. So we'll start off with Ursa. Okay. <laughs> um, which is interesting. So all of my dogs that I've had, uh, as an adult, um, and actually all throughout my life, um, have been shelter dogs or found dogs. Um, so I've actually never gone through a breeder to get a dog and really, um, I'm, I'm not opposed to, to well-bred dogs, but it just was a matter of, um, accessibility for me because I was in animal sheltering for almost eight years. So I had like an endless stream of potential dogs to choose from. <laughs> um, so, uh, I've had as many as, well, I've had as many as six, not long-term, but I had four dogs long-term and I'm now down to two because my oldest, oldest two have passed on. Um, but for me, I definitely have a type. So generally like, and it's funny because working in the shelter, what I heard a lot was, oh my gosh, you must want to take them all home. Mm-hmm. And that was actually not true. Totally not <laughs> and, true. And you guys yeah. are both shaking your heads. Like, we, yeah, because we've all worked in sheltering. <laughs> yeah. And like the opposite is actually true. I got really, really, really picky. So um, I saw lots and lots and lots of dogs where I was like, I would not want to live with this. Like mm-hmm. they might've been perfectly nice dogs, but just... Mm-hmm a temperament that didn't appeal to me or whatever. Um, and so I, I definitely have a type. I joke that I like them pointy and fluffy. So I love, um, border collies, husky types, um, coated German shepherds, um, Belgians that like pointy and fluffy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, uh, it, the, generally the way it would start is the dog would catch my eye and I would go, Ooh, I think the dog is really cuter, you know, really, um, good looking dog, um, that sort of thing. And so it almost always starts with me going like, Oh my gosh, I love the way that dog looks. They're adorable. And I don't recommend that anyone choose a dog solely based on those criteria, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's not a terrible place to start. Like no. it's not a bad way to just have a dog catch your eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, for me, it's personality. So a great example and kind of a funny story is um, the way that I brought home my oldest dog, Nico, who is laying, who's passed out actually behind me right now. And he's 12, um, almost 12 years ago. So I brought him home when he was around nine or 10 years old. 
He was turned in. I'm sorry. Months old. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Hold on. Yeah, no, no, no. Months old. He was nine or 10 months old. He was turned into the Kentucky Humane Society where I was working as the behavior manager. And I was literally just walking through the kennels and I saw him and he was in a kennel with a couple of other dogs. And he was literally, so to understand the picture, you have to realize Nico looks like a Malamute that has legs that are six inches long. (laughs) So literally it looks like somebody took the legs off of a Malamute and replaced them with Corgi legs. Um, He's adorable. (laughs) And on top of looking really cute, he has this really cute bouncy bubbly personality where he taps his little feet and he wags his whole body so hard that his tail hits his face. And he was in his kennel doing this little tap dance. And I was like, that's the cutest dog I've ever seen in my life. Um, and I got down and all these other dogs are just going nuts in this kennel, like bouncing off the walls. And he's just doing his little tap dance. And I was like, you, I, you're, you're coming home with me. Like just something about him, just that personality, that little chill, like, I'm just happy to be here, everybody. And I actually asked them like, why is this dog not up? I went up to adoptions and I asked why the dog wasn't on the adoption floor. And, um, in sheltering a lot of the time they will, um, adjust the adoption fees so that highly desirable dogs subsidize um, the cost of the less desirable dogs. So we were having a waived fee on all dogs like five years and older or something like that that weekend. And they were like, yeah, we're going to get um, we're he'll he'll be a full price adoption. So we're not going to put him out until after the adoption promotion. And I was like, well, he's coming home with me until then. And he never went back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the reason is, even though as a puppy, he was a little bit high maintenance. He was a big chewer like a big, big chewer. He was the kind of dog that I could take, I could put away everything that wasn't nailed down and leave the room and I'd come back 30 seconds later and he'd be chewing on the corner of the wall. Um, (laughs) But he just, his personality is friendly, easygoing, resilient. Um, Nothing really gets to him for long. He bounces back quickly. Um, even though he's independent, he definitely has that sort of Northern breed independence, stereotypical, like I'm going to do what I want. Um, he's very sociable, very people friendly, very dog friendly, and just even, even tempered. And that's what I love in a dog. I love a dog that's just even tempered. Um, and, and he doesn't get ruffled very, very easily. And so once I kind of got to know him, even though originally I was just drawn to him because he's really freaking cute. Um, once I got to know him, uh, I was like, this is just a great companion. He just came as a great companion. And it's funny because I'll tell people the story about like, oh yeah, he was turned into the shelter. And I joke it's because they realized his legs weren't going to get any longer. And they were like, he's defective. <laughs> Take him to the shelter and drop him <laughs> off. But um, what they had said was, we don't have time for a puppy. And people are like, oh my God, that's terrible. I can't believe they did that. And I'm like, I'm so grateful that they did. Right. Because he's phenomenal. He's a fantastic perfect dog. I couldn't ask for better. And whatever these people did during his formative months, they did it so well because he has rarely ever met a person or a dog that he didn't immediately put at ease and just come up and invite them to pet him and do play bows. And he's just, he's, he's really lovely. Yeah. He is really lovely. I was joking earlier that I resent all my future dogs for not being him already. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. Which is, uh, yeah, I know they have huge paws to fill. Um, But really just the personality drew me in. Like I just, I couldn't, 
I could not fall in love with them. Um, And I'm not, I don't do a ton of sports. I don't do a ton of competition. So I don't need a really drivey dog. Um, And, uh, and he, or the legs or the, I don't need the legs. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) I don't really need the, like a really athletic considering he's like a furry sausage on legs. Um, So he didn't, like I wasn't looking for that kind of stuff. I know your needs are a little bit different, yeah. Kayla, because you do a lot more stuff with your dog. Um, I'm more of like, I just need a companion and I needed a dog that I could take everywhere and do demos and meet other dogs and meet people. Um, and he just filled that need absolutely perfectly. Like it was just serendipitous. Yeah. So for me, personality is key. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I would say that's the number one thing. That's awesome. I loved hearing yeah. that story. And he is so cute. And we need to link, I'm making a note right now, uh, an image of the cuteness. We should try to get um, images of the dogs on adoption day if we we still have those. Oh, man, I don't. But you know what I do have? Early photos? He was in a commercial for the Kentucky Humane Society that is still on YouTube. Oh, Oh my gosh, we're linking to that. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, I have a video of my first night with Sully, and it's like the most ridiculous thing. Oh, my gosh. We get link we can link that's to awesome. the cuteness that lives with us yeah. <laughs> but um, so one thing I was gonna say was that's not a very scientific process and I'm not sure that that story is going to be replicable replicable or yeah applicable for a lot of people and I think my the benefit for me was that I have access to so many dogs yeah. I mean dozens a day that I I just clicked with this one. And you and knew I had, that was different because, yep. because I you weren't just going saw. into the shelter for the first time in the year yep. and you were like, oh, I click with this one. And it's like, well, yep. that's just because it's the first one you saw. Yeah. And I or had whatever. the luxury of like, I could spend all day with a dog if I wanted to. It wasn't like a half an hour meet and greet where mm-hmm. I had to make a decision about like, is this the dog for me or not? I had the luxury of being exposed to so many dogs. And then when I had, when I met that one where I was just, it was sort of like love at first sight, you know, mm-hmm. like I knew it was different. And so, so I don't know that that's uh, like a, uh, a helpful tale necessarily, but what I sort of gain from it is that um, <clears throat> don't rush. Like when you know, you know, sometimes just like with relationships with people, sometimes you just run into that one where even if it's not like a romantic relationship, just like a friendship, you're like, wow, this, I really, yeah. I love, like, I love this person. Like we just click and there's something there that's different. And I think that if you have the luxury of, of waiting for that, there's nothing else like it. Totally. Um, there's nothing else like it. And that doesn't mean that you can't have an awesome dog if you don't have that feeling. Yeah. But I think that when you do have the, the luxury of time and waiting for that, it's really awesome when it does come along. But not everybody has that luxury. Um, but we'll come around to our... our- yeah. suggestions for people. Oh yeah. Okay. Incidentally, one other little note about that scenario is that was the worst possible time for me to have even considered. Like I was not looking, I wasn't even thinking about getting another dog. I was actually in the process of getting a divorce <laughs> and, um, Which was might be a good time to get a dog. I mean, no, <laughs> yeah, maybe especially no. Nico. Yeah. Right. Well, so I had my own dog. My ex was keeping one of our other dogs and I was temporarily living with my parents while I was looking for my own place and well with my mom and she had two dogs and oh, like, oh boy. yeah. And it was not the time for me to get another dog. Like it wasn't even on my radar. Like I wasn't thinking about getting another dog. I wasn't yearning for another one. But when I met Nico, I was like, I, I will not, I will not 
miss out on this dog. Like I won't. Oh, that's awesome. Like I will find a friend to keep him until I move. Like if I have to, I'll do whatever I have to. It was, there was no doubt in my mind that I was keeping this dog, (laughs) even though it was like the worst possible timing. (laughs) So anyway, that's kind of what I mean about like, sometimes, you know, like there's chemistry. Yeah, there's chemistry. Exactly. Just like with people. So anyway, that's uh, that's the story of Nico Squeako. Well, <laughs> and he well, slipped through of, it. <laughs> speaking of short legs, Sully has long legs. So I used to say he's the Heidi Klum of the dog world because oh my gosh. Like long <laughs> legs and, you know, just very much a model. Everyone always says he looks so, so handsome. But <laughs> my process was, um, I mean, actually, my process is a little heart-wrenching because I was... I was very young at the time. I, I had just started working at the Humane Society of Boulder Valley. I finally scored a pet-friendly apartment and I was finally going to um, be able to adopt a dog. And I knew that I wanted a male. And I, don't know, I didn't know why, but I just did. I just wanted a male. And um, early on in my career, I had no idea. I just gravitated to that. And I knew I, I was really attracted, speaking of, a, of attraction, I was really attracted to black lab mixes in the shelter. And some of them were like pity mixes. Some of them were, I mean, you know, like the, the traditional black lab dog with, that maybe had some shepherd in him that had like a white patch on his chest. And that's such like a traditional shelter dog. Um, and I was really attracted to them. And I went through so many dogs that I fostered. And this, this goes back to what you said Ursa that we just had access to these dogs all the time. And it's like, right. How does anybody make a decision that doesn't work at the shelter? And I know. <laughs> like we, I fostered a bunch of dogs and I was so, um, picky in a way that was not the kindest. Like I'd be like, Oh, I don't like that. He does this. He's not my dog. And I was really, I don't know, like naive and not really understanding what my process was. All I knew is that I wanted a male and I wanted to, I wanted to have that instant connection. And then our director of operations at the time, she was annoyed with my process because she was like, (laughs) just choose a dog. Take (laughs) a dog. (laughs) And she said, there's a transfer that just came in from Kansas. There's a long legged black lab mix He's super cute. He's lovely with people. He's lovely with dogs. He's six months old. Just bring him home and like make your decision. And, and I love this woman. And uh, I brought him home and yeah, he was my dog. But I did, it was not love at first sight the way that your relationship was. It was, we're still dating and I'm not quite sure which way I'm swiping. And <laughs> I... Again, having, I, I definitely was really naive and really self-centered actually when I adopted Sully and I was so focused on what I needed in the relationship that I wasn't focused on how we both could connect. That's very, very different now after I've done some self-reflection on me and who I am in relationships. However, in the beginning, it was sort of all about what I needed out of him and our relationship which I really encourage people to take a look at whether or not that's 
something that you're projecting when choosing a dog, right? Um, are you looking for a collaborative relationship or are you looking for the dog to show up and do things for you and just fit into your lifestyle and you not have to do anything differently? And unfortunately, as I like cringeworthy, as I admit that I was looking for the latter, I was looking for like just a dog to just fit, fit in and I don't have to do anything. And I don't think that that's wrong, but I definitely, um, I find that our relationship is much more fulfilling and my, my, my engagement with him is much more fulfilling when it's about the both of us and not just what I need. So my story is a little bit wonky. Um, and I think that what you could sort of draw from that is potentially understanding like what is the process or what is the desire, the motivation behind getting the dog? Um, what is it that you're really looking for and why are you looking for that particular thing? So that's my story. And I don't, I, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's selfish to say like, there's a need that I have and I want right. this dog to meet it. Like, I really don't think that's selfish. Um, I mean, I, and I know that you're an incredibly thoughtful person and I know that that doesn't preclude like the dog's needs also being met. I think it's different when somebody is saying like, I have a need that I want met and the dog's needs are of no concern to me. Like that's different. Um, that's mm -hmm. problematic. Yeah. Um, but I know that you're not like that. Um, but I, you know, I like, like I we slightly all know. Like that, <laughs> I, I do. I do. I'm like, I, I look, I'm trying that. to throw you a lifeline. Here. No. I know. Thank you. I, I think I say that because I think people sometimes feel that way. And I got kind of want to give it a voice a little bit that like, surely, you yeah. know, it's like, well, maybe that wasn't the, like the greatest way to approach entering into a relationship. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I guess what I mean is like, I know you're not going to neglect a dog on totally. behalf of your needs. Totally. Um, you know, and, uh, and, but I think, you know, I respect you for that honesty too, of recognizing like, this was kind of about me in the beginning, but mm -hmm. it's cool that it's grown to be so much about your relationship. Mm -hmm. Whereas it's maybe started being about more, you know, more about your needs and what you wanted. And, yeah. 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 But absolutely. it's totally not like that anymore. No. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. Tell us about barley. <laughs> so those of you who know me are not going to be surprised at kind of how I did this. So I got a job at dumb friends, um, the shelter and I was working there and I knew I didn't want to get a dog until the end of cross country ski season because I'm a competitive cross-country skier and I didn't want to be in the process of training a puppy or a new shelter dog during that. So I was like, all right, after the the, the American Birkebeiner, which is my big end of February, it's a 50-kilometer ski race. It's my favorite thing. Um, that's when I'll start looking. Um, and I was fostering dogs at the time. And um, when we come around to our recommendations, that is something that you guys can do without getting a job at a shelter. That was incredibly helpful for me to kind mm -hmm. of synthesize down what I was looking for. And I knew I was going to be looking pretty much first week of March. So while I was fostering these dogs, I was keeping track of things I liked and didn't like and what I was looking for. And again, this is where I, those of you who know me are not going to be surprised. I'm a little bit embarrassed, but also a little bit proud of this. I ended up creating a spreadsheet that was a score sheet for potential dogs. 
So, um, what you it still was? Have it? Oh yeah, yeah. So I got it pulled up. I'm gonna share it in our show notes. Um, and this is going to be unique to every person. <laughs> Won't eat my parrot. Is yeah, it yeah, yeah. Yes. So at the time, I owned a parrot. Um, and basically I made a list of deal breakers of things that I knew I wasn't going to even consider a dog if they didn't pass all of these things. So the very first thing was it wouldn't eat the parrot. The pet that was already in the home had precedence. So dogs with really high prey drive, um, who were really, really interested in crittering were not options. You know, dogs with histories of killing cats, any of that. Nope. Um, I wanted a dog that was going to be work slash brewery friendly. Um, and you know, you can't always guarantee that from a shelter dog, but I didn't know that was something I always wanted. Dog friendly. I knew that one of the behavior issues I was unwilling to deal with was separation anxiety. So the loveliest dog in the world who had, um, a history of separation anxiety in the shelter was probably out for me. Mm. I wanted a dog that loved fetch. I wanted reasonably healthy and I wanted hiking buddy material. So there was, um, Marissa, do you remember Ringo? Yes. Three-legged, deaf border collie. One of the loves of my life. I did not adopt him because he was three-legged. And I knew that I was unlikely to be able to afford the chiropractic care he was ultimately going to need given the exercise he wanted. And he probably was not going to be a dog that was able to keep up for all of the outdoor adventures that I really wanted. So that's where I started. I wasn't allowing myself to even really consider a dog that didn't pass those, or at least, you know, there's a reasonable chance based on what I knew about the dog that they were going to succeed with each of those things. Cause again, you can't guarantee any of that stuff just with based off dog. of intake form. Yeah, no, yeah. but you know, I, I knew that was what I was looking for. So then I have necessary traits <laughs> and these were 10 points each. And, um, I was, <laughs> I know I, it's it's ridiculous, but I it, no no it I worked. Love it. I love it. It's actually <laughs> I mean, not so, ridiculous because we just it's said, not ridiculous. Ursa's like, ooh, you're pretty, and I'm like, yeah, oh, right, I know. And you're like, actually, let me just wrap well, this and make it. Well, like, and I did, and data. I partially, I partially did that because I was working at Dumb Friends. Dumb Friends gets like twenty thousand animals a year. Yes. I knew that I, and I worked on the behavior team. So I was working with those dogs that were not necessarily demo brewery hiking material. Um, so I knew I needed a way to really keep myself in check and not fall in love with a dog that was the wrong fit for me yeah. and end up getting a dog that potentially I would love, potentially would be great for me, but would not be meet your needs or meet my needs. Yeah. And especially cause I, at least, um, until I start getting more raises, I <laughs> probably need to be a single dog home. Um, so the other thing I was looking for was between six months and four years old. I didn't want a really little puppy. I was working for 10 hour days. I just didn't want to do puppyhood. And I didn't want a dog that I was going to be worried that I was only going to get five years with them. Food motivated. Obviously, um, there's some things we can change about that. But um, if I had a dog that was totally disinterested in treats right away, I know training's a big hobby for me. So I didn't want to bring home a dog if I could avoid it that I was going to have to work on <laughs> to <food>. train. <laughs> yep. Decently well socialized. That again kind of ties into some stuff we were looking for. But you know, I wasn't looking for a dog that was going to have major phobias or anything. Attentive in training. So um, when I was taking these dogs out, I was just kind of seeing, they didn't have to know anything, but if I started trying to teach them something, introduce them to the clicker, introduce them to a hand touch, I wanted them to be interested in that. Um, quiet in the kennel. Um, this is something I would find out when I fostered them. You know, were they decent in a crate or at least being left alone? Uh, and then I just had a slot for chemistry. 
which was mm-hmm. just how much do I jam with this dog? <laughs> and then I also have a thing that I wrote down called just training flow state, which those of us who are really nerdy about trainers kind of, <laughs> you know, when you're working with one of those dogs where you're just like, man, this is fun. <laughs> That's what I was talking about, which is a little bit different from just a dog who is attentive and interested in training. It was these dogs where I just like, I didn't want to put them back in their kennel because they were so fun to work with. Yeah. Um, Desired traits. And this is where, so basically if a dog did really well with all of those things, they were probably going to be going home with me. Um, and I would foster dogs that were going, that were looking really good even before that. But probably if a dog checked off all those boxes, they were good. Um, and, and I could kind of score. I was, I was letting myself score. It wasn't like a yes or no. It was like, how true is this? And then some other things I was looking at were, um, that I wanted a dog that liked water. Um, Again, purely cosmetic. A dog who was scared of water was not going to not come home with me. Um, but that was something I knew I wanted. Decently friendly with other dogs again. Um, and that came up kind of, I wrote that down as dog park friendly. Um, and that, again, was just kind of a bonus. Like a dog that I felt like I could be confident taking it into these intense social situations. And then over 30 pounds. Um, and then, again, going down in hierarchy to these just bonus point things. Um, one of the really nitty-gritty things I was looking at was I, ideally, if I had the choice between two siblings who were both perfect and one had white toenails and one had black toenails, for the sake of dremeling and trimming toenails, <laughs> I wanted white toenails. <laughs> like, I know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> no pun intended. Drill down to such yes. specifics. I know. Unbelievable. And I spent a long time working on this. Like, the spreadsheet was something that, like, I would kind of go back to pretty much any time I found a dog at Dumb Friends that I was interested in or um, anytime I fostered a dog or anything, I was kind of constantly adding things. Or if I ran into something where I was like, oh, that's kind of annoying, I would like add it to the spreadsheet and like <laughs> rank it somehow. Um, and then that's where looks also came in. So ideally I wanted a dog that was a little bit fluffy, ideally a curly tail, ideally pointy ears. And I was actually looking for a female. Um, and uh, then I just started scoring dogs. There's a whole bunch of different dogs that are scored out on here. Um, I want to see Barley's scores. Barley, <laughs> Barley's <laughs> score. He scored 76 out of 80 points That's in one. Uh, 15 out of 15 in another. And then two out of six on the last. So his last score out of 100 was 93. Dang. Wow. It worked. Yeah, it really worked. And, and like the things that he got knocked off on were he's he doesn't female. have a curly tail. He's not female. He doesn't have pointy ears. Uh, he got a couple nines in quiet and kennel <laughs> chemistry, training, flow state and attentive in training, which makes sense because we didn't know each other yet. We were working in a shelter environment, so he didn't really flunk anything at all. Um, so that's how I decided objectively that Barley was the right dog for me. How I actually met him was like, I mean, I was talking about the fact that I was, ex- I was so excited because like, as soon as I was done with the Bergabiner, I was going to get to start looking for a dog. So like everyone and their mother at the shelter knew that that was going to be what's <laughs> happening. I also knew, and this wasn't on here, but I did know that I probably wanting, wanted like a herding breed sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I wanted something smart. I wanted something attentive. I wanted the fetch. I wanted the athleticism. So, you know, shorthand, I probably wanted a herding breed sort of dealio. <laughs> dealio. Um, I actually was originally looking at labs, um, but uh, the herding breeds started coming up more and more. Um, and someone at the shelter who works in evaluations um, 
basically pinged me. She and I would do dog testing together every Tuesday morning, and that just means um, dogs with histories of aggression. We'd kind of go out and introduce them to each other and just kind of see um, whether or not we felt like that dog was going to be safe to adopt out. So that was something she and I did together every Tuesday as a rotating task. And we were doing the dog testing, and she just mentioned kind of offhand, like, hey, a really nice border collie came through the overnight kennel last night. Um, and the overnight kennels, so Dumb Friends League is an open admission shelter, so anyone can come and bring any animal. And we have these overnight kennels. So in theory, you know, you're driving home from your night shift, it's 11.30 p.m., and you see a stray dog on the side of the road. You can bring that dog to us and leave it there. You don't have to house that dog overnight. We also do get a lot of people who are embarrassed or whatever about relinquishing their pets, so they leave them there. Most dogs that come out of these overnight kennels are freaked the bleep out. <laughs> um, they're often cowering. Sometimes they're growling, lunging. If nothing else, they're usually just pretty freaked out. We often have a hard time getting their whole physical evaluation done right away. So we often kind of let them cool down for a little while first. Barley came right out wagging and let her do the whole eval right oh, away, buddy. which is just, I mean, it's, it doesn't sound that remarkable, but remarkable. it is yeah. um, given what remarkable. he'd been through in the last like eight hours. Um, and I went to go look at him and I almost walked away. He was sitting on the bench in the kennel and he was super overweight guys. Um, <laughs> he was like 60 pounds. I don't remember um, him God. overweight. <laughs> he was, <laughs> he was 60 pounds on his like vet form. Um, and he's now 48. Um, and he wow. was really matted. He had, and not like visibly, but if you like touched him, and he had these huge dreadlocks behind his ears and on his butt. And um, and again, those of you guys who know me, you know Barley. You guys know his tongue is too big for his mouth. Yes. <laughs> and it's always poking out. And I went to look at this dog. And it's like this fat border collie. He's like sitting up like this weird prim out. freak. And his tongue is hanging like six inches, guys. Not out the front of his mouth. Like he's panting out of the side of his mouth and his mouth is closed around it. It looks like he's been electrocuted. <laughs> and I was just like, this dog is dumb. <laughs> it looks stupid. I don't want it. And I like almost walked away, but the shelter wasn't open yet. And I didn't really have any other tasks left until um, the, uh, the tasks for the day just hadn't been printed out and uh, organized yet. Um, so I was like, all right, fine. I'll take him for a walk. And I take him for a walk and we go out to the play yard and we play a little bit of fetch. And he was like, awesome and we like did a little bit of training and I like played around with him a little bit and I was just like oh oh this dog is really cool and I like I have the video and we'll post it on the show notes I remember that that video. I texted to like everyone I knew just being like I think this is the dog um but yeah I actually had the opposite of what you had with Nico Ursa where I actually <laughs> looked at him in the kennel and was like Ugh. there's like repulsion at first I don't think so <laughs> and he's adorable he is a really he's attractive really dog um but he's he, gorgeous uh, yeah looked a yeah. little derpy at first he's there real derpy looking guys um so you know and then I did I, I but I kind of ended up using this like really fancy pants spreadsheet that I made to almost um justify the decision that I had already made emotionally which I don't think is a bad way to do it. Um, and my boyfriend actually did not want to keep Barley right away. Um, he, uh, because we'd been fostering dogs, Andrew was pretty much just like, I don't like this one. All it wants to do is fetch. He's kind of annoying. Um, and I had to beg Andrew to let me keep him. Um, and it was definitely partially the score sheet, but it was also, there was definitely something like emotional that did eventually click. And it only took like, eight hours or something for like of him being in the home for me to be like, oh, okay, I definitely really, really want this dog. He's really cool. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, you're like it, Andrew. It, he scored a ninety three percent. Sorry. Yeah, like, intro. <laughs> what are you even saying? Do you understand that that is an A? The SATs? An A yeah. plus. He got a 1480. <laughs> so. Hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I love all these stories. This is so great. I Our next question on here is, what would we do differently? And I have my answer. Use Kayla's spreadsheet. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm right? kidding. Is there anything that we would have done differently when choosing a dog? In Nico's case, for me, it's no, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't because it was just so overwhelmingly, like I was so overwhelmingly attracted to the, yeah, to this dog. Like (laughs) I, like I actually, it makes me sad to think of, of, like if I had decided like, no, it wasn't the right time and had passed up on him, like what I would have missed out on. I, yeah. I can't say that I, I would have done anything differently in his case. Not again, not that it's, a, you know, for everybody. Um, but I think that I have sort of carried that forward in my um, selection of, of dogs or how I, how I sort of look at selecting a dog. And as a result, I am really, I'm slow about it. Like I'm never mm-hmm. in a hurry. Um, mm-hmm. like when my husband moved in with me, my now husband, um, we, uh, I had three dogs and he was like, we should get a fourth dog. And I was like, have you lost your ever loving mind? Yeah. And he goes, well, we didn't, we don't have one that we picked out together, which was really sweet and cute. Very and I was sweet. like, okay, I married the right man. Like, <laughs> I guess we weren't married at that point yet, but, um, so I was still working or I was working at the dumb friends league and also had access to, you know, dozens of dogs a day. And I was like, I'll keep an eye out. And then, um, one day I was out on the mobile adoption unit and I had pulled this dog that appealed to me visually. She's a border collie. She's like a blue Merle border collie, Sheltie cattle dog thing. And she's fluffy and pointy. And so I pulled her because I thought she was really cute. And I texted him and was like, you should come meet this dog. She's kind of cool. And he came and met her and he was like, yeah, I think I like her. But we were both like, we don't want to rush it. So she got adopted and then returned. And it turns out she had been returned three times for jumping a six foot fence from three different homes. And um, so I I brought her back out with me and I was like, hey, that dog is back. I texted him and he came and got her and just took her home. And because we lived on a farm and we didn't have fences. So I was like, there's nowhere to leave her where she's going to escape. Um, and so I, I was reinforced again for that. Just sort of like, I just sort of found a dog that kind of like clicked with me a little bit and it worked out. And she's also a ridiculously amazing dog, but like, I, it's worked for me. Yeah. It's worked mm-hmm. for me yeah. a couple of times. And I think the, the lesson that I've pulled from it is just be patient, like mm-hmm. don't rush it. Um, and looks aren't everything, but that's kind of how I, I do my initial selection. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of figure from there, like take the time to see if it's totally. the right one. And, you know, like we've talked about, I know not everyone has the luxury of working at a shelter, but fostering is a great way to do it. Mm-hmm. Visiting the shelter multiple, many different times, volunteering with a shelter, working at a doggy daycare, like any exposure. Yeah. The dogs don't have to be up for adoption. They don't have to be your dogs. Like all you have to do is expose yourself to lots of different dogs. Yeah. And then you, st- you do start to get a feel for like, 
yeah, I'm kind of into this kind of personality or I'm kind of not into that kind of personality. And it really does help you do that thin slicing of like, nope, 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 nope. Ooh, maybe like yeah. here's something. Well, and one of the things I'm hearing from you that I think is interesting is, um, so whenever you start, and this is, I think potentially kind of what we're also getting at that we didn't anticipate, but when I, was looking for barley, I was pretty green and I kind of knew that. So I knew I needed a system. Mm. Um, it sounds like by the time you were bringing home Nico and Zip, you were already pretty experienced and you already had a pretty good grasp of what you liked and didn't like. For sure. Um, and I think that's another thing that kind of comes up as a benefit for us as trainers dog people and, yeah. and trainers and just people who are in it. It's kind of like uh, if you play a lot of uh, chess might be a bad example. If you watch a lot of football, my dad is a huge <laughs> Packers fan and he can like glance at a football screen and tell yep. what's going on. It's that thin slicing. The, yeah. yeah. I, versus for me, if I want to enjoy um, the Super Bowl for anything other than the commercials, the I need to really, really pay attention and I need to like almost um, take, you know, like not take notes, but like um, I'll an effort. Yeah, I like do I have little tricks that I'll do to try to um, that I actually stole from. There's another podcast that talked about how to enjoy the Super Bowl if you don't like football. Um, snacks. Snacks. But no, they're actually talking about, you know, like how to actually right. enjoy the game. Engage. In um, the game. One of the things they said is like, just pick a certain um, position and watch and it. just watch that position and figure out what that position means. So like, don't just watch the ball, which is interesting. Anyway, um, I think that's one of the things is if you don't have that experience to really have a good gut and have a good idea of what that chemistry feels like, then create, then have a system mm-hmm. and, or get the experience. But mm-hmm. if you are someone who's been working as an, um, as a dog walker or you're an agility competitor or anything like that, you probably have a good idea of what you're looking for and you can kind of get a, a vibe for that chemistry. And I'm sure Marissa at this point, <coughs> now that you've done all of this work, you probably have a pretty good sense of that, that maybe you didn't have when you were picking out Solly. I'm totally putting words in your mouth, but I know, when I look again for my next dog, I might not need to use that spreadsheet again. Yeah. And yeah. one of the things I regret. For you now. Yeah. Uh, actually, I'll let Marissa say her regret, then I'll, I'll bring up my regret. Oh, sorry. Well, no, I mean, I, I, I would agree. I just didn't have a lot of intentionality or awareness when I was that young and, that, and I was that green. So I, I think I did just, uh, he, I, he wanted to be black. I wanted to go hiking. He has to be male. He's got to be in this age range. I really didn't have good criteria. I didn't really know what I was looking for. And it wasn't really intentional. It was just like, Oh yes, I finally scored a pet friendly apartment. I need a dog. Um, and so I think now, um, we are living with another dog. Currently my stepdaughter's dog has been living with us for the summer and she's a three-year-old shepherd mix. Um, and that is not my breed. Totally (laughs) not my breed. And it's because I'm so used to, like, I I would consider myself highly independent and Sully is also very independent and it works out really well. So if I had a dog that was hurting breed and really needy, I really think I would lose my mind. And I have to say that Dakota, she's lovely, like shepherd hound mix. She's lovely, but she is under my feet. She wants to be with me all the time and it's just not my jam. Right. And so now I'm like, Oh wow, I really should consider like pretty independent breeds because that's what I'm used to. That's what I enjoy. Um, and yeah, so I, 
I definitely, again, that goes back to my experience. Scott and I have been talking about getting another dog. We've been, we've been talking about getting another puppy and through the experience of quote unquote fostering over the summer, we have realized that we don't want to add a puppy. We don't want to add a second dog while Sully is aging. And we definitely don't want a shepherd. So (laughs) I think it's, you know, you kiss a lot of frogs to get to your prince or princess, right? So I, I do think finding ways to have that experience is sort of our, our bottom line today is that getting more experience, no matter what it looks like, is really going to help hone in what you want and being aware to that learning process while you get the experience is super important too. Totally. I think there are a couple of things that are got, and it's not because of barley. I think my process to get him, there's not really anything I would change about that. There are a couple dogs that I still think about a lot at the shelter that I think of as the dogs that got away. Mm. That again, mm. I didn't have room for three. And there, <laughs> there are there are three, I think, that are kind of dogs that got away from me. So I would have four if I had all of them. <laughs> so it's not that I regret it, but I do think there were a couple dogs that again, if I didn't work at the shelter. Um, And I didn't have kind of the opportunity to really wait for that dog that actually scored a 93. There were a couple dogs that were 80s or 85s that I kind of regret not taking. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's one of the three that did not have a good outcome Mm. post um, when when I decided not to take that dog. And that dog still like haunts me. Yeah. Um, So, and that dog actually showed up after I had already gotten Barley and it was mere weeks before Andrew and I left for our international road trip, which is why I think that dog ended up not going home with me. I Um, remember that dog, Kayla. Yeah, Rocco. Um, Yeah, and I still, I kept his tag and he like, he is on my keychain. Yeah, um, I'm like gonna cry about it. Let's not cry. Um, but no, the other two, you know, that three-legged deaf dog. Um, he actually yeah. ended up going out to. Um, he's at a farm for um other loser farm animals that are bad at being farm animals, and he like he's probably living a better life than what I yeah, could have given for sure, him. For sure, he's like out there with like chicken deaf goats, square like, eggs. And, I don't know. <laughs> no, he like actually got to go to the farm though. Like I told Andrew that after um we didn't bring him home, and he was like. Kayla, they put that dog down. Oh, no. And I was like, no, no, no. He actually went to the farm. <laughs> we went to the farm. This is the imaginary farm. That yeah, no, Andrew was like, Kayla, Kayla a farm? that's not what happened. Yeah. yeah. He was like, Kayla, you know that's a euphemism. And I was like, no, no, no. No, he actually did. And then the other one, um, I didn't take home, uh, which you might also remember. Um, she was a little cattle dog, um, super duper smart, super sweet. Some of the worst barrier reactivity in the, sh- in the kennel that we've ever seen, just saliva, like totally freaky <laughs> if you walked by with other dogs. And I didn't take her home because of that. Because mm. I And then um, like two days after she went out to, she went to a different rescue, Herd of Wyoming, um, which takes herding breeds up in Wyoming. <laughs> and um, they, po- they sent us video like the next day of her playing beautifully with these other dogs in her foster family. And yeah. I had this moment where I was like, Oh no. Oh my God. Do I drive up to Wyoming to go get this dog? And I didn't. And she got adopted, um, like the next day. So it like, no. So that's what I regret though. I I think the dogs were, there were times where I had that chemistry and, um, I didn't take the dog home and it wasn't the wrong choice, but I might've been a little bit too strict. And again, if you were someone who doesn't have access to as many dogs as I did, where you can't just keep waiting until that perfect dog does eventually show up. Maybe I should have taken a couple of those 80 pointers. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. One thing um, that I wanted to mention is, you know, I said earlier, like all of my dogs have come from sheltering and part of that is access. Um, but that's one thing that makes me hesitant about getting a dog from a breeder. Not again, not because I'm against well-bred dogs, um, but you don't get to do that. Like wait and see and mm -hmm. kind of try out a bunch of different ones. It's kind of like, if you're getting a dog from a, a well-respected breeder that's doing things right, like you don't get a lot of options. It's right. kind of like we got two litters a year. We're going to, some of them want to match you with a puppy. Yep. And then some of them will give you a little bit of choice, but then you have a choice between like a few puppies. Yeah. And there's not that wiggle room of like, oh, I want to take my time and see if we click and see what it is. And so that scares me a little bit, mm -hmm. to be honest. Like well, and it's I'm not used to not having that luxury of like, I'm just going to meet a jillion dogs and pick one that I click mm -hmm. with. So that's one of the, my hesitancies um, about going toward going to a breeder in the future. Well, it's interesting. None of us brought home puppies. Yeah. Oh, I don't all want brought home adult dogs. <laughs> that's the other thing is I, yeah, I'm not super oh, big but on puppies. I really, but... <laughs> my next dog will be a puppy. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I really, 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 but... I say this now, but I have been talking about this forever. I really want to do that experience. It's another trainer here in Boulder. Uh, Jackie Johnson, big shout out to Jackie. Yay, Jackie. She, yay, Jackie. <laughs> She's so awesome. Um, she and I were talking. We really want to do the eight week thing. We just um, want to bring it home. Jackie Johnson, can I just say, with Believe in Your Dog training, who is a separation anxiety guru. And oh, yeah. she works remotely, I think, on Setbank's cases. So if anybody out there is listening and you're like in the middle of nowhere and you need a trainer for separation anxiety, believe in your dog training in Boulder. She's amazing. Um, <laughs> we'll link to her in show notes. I've actually sent a ton yeah. of clients to her and she works. Magic. <laughs> yeah, she's phenomenal. But you um, know, sorry, I didn't I, mean to hijack what you were saying, but we want to just do puppy. <laughs> we want to do the whole experience. We want to be the one at puppy social, not hosting the puppy social. Right. And <laughs> so, yeah, I would really like a puppy. Um, and I don't know how I do that. If I go to a breeder, I don't even, I don't even know what breed I would want. Um, do I go to, do I, you know, do it at the shelter? Like, I, I just don't know how to do that. I've been really sort of thinking about what, what would that process look like? And again, we have access to puppies at the shelter behind the scenes. Like not many people have access to that. And like right, people right. line crack at the shelter puppies. out the door yeah. for puppies for, before the shelter even opens. So that's, I understand that if people want a puppy, trying to do that through a rescue or a shelter is really challenging. And we it's get tough. that if you want a specific breed, you go to a breeder, right? Like we, mm -hmm. we, we're not opposed yeah. to breeders just because we have worked in shelters. Have oh, you had yeah. any puppies? I, my first dog we got as a puppy um, okay. from a breeder. She's a, she was a purebred lab from um, a bird Maya, dog right? breeder. Maya. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. She actually, when I share my scorecard, she was the dog that other dogs had to beat. Oh. I think she actually got a 95. Oh, um, she didn't have pointy ears. Perfect. Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah, well, she was female. Uh, didn't have curly tail. wasn't fluffy. So she and she had dark toenails too. Um, so she really lost out on a lot of that. All cosmetic though. Yeah, all the cosmetic problems. Um, but um, I actually, ooh, I if I ever if I ever do a puppy, I'm a hundred percent doing breeder. Mm -hmm. I do not think I would bring home a puppy from the shelter. 
And the reason for that is, uh, so one of my needs are pretty specific. Yeah. I'm, I'm picky guys. I am. That is really interesting. I couldn't tell with the spreadsheet and the scoring system (laughs) and And the white toenails versus the black toenails. I didn't get, I didn't get picky. But (laughs) one of the other things, so, um, one of my all-time favorite books is called Behave, and it's by Dr. Robert Sapolsky, and he is a neuroendocrinologist. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. Um, Robert, if you're listening, I love you. Um, <laughs> if you're listening to this random dog training podcast. <laughs> he is, he's really into animal behavior. Sweet. Um, he, uh, yeah, he's a baboon researcher. We need to get him on the show. Long time. <laughs> uh, I'm just like, oh my God, uh, I can't talk to him uh, yet. I'm not ready. Um, but anyway, so he, this book Behave talks a lot about different hormones and how they affect growth and how they affect behavior. And as I read that book, um, I just really started thinking about how it pertains to puppies and particularly shelter dogs and how there's so much that can happen in Mm. utero with stress hormones from the mothers or from the milk from the mothers or little teeny tiny things that can happen in even the best shelters um, that I'm just not quite willing to take a risk with. if I'm going with a puppy, I want to know that puppy had every advantage. And then I, I'm absolutely, you know, like once they're older and you can see how that behavioral manifestation of the genetics and the in utero hormones and the early life socialization have manifested, totally willing to look at that. But um, because I'm not an expert in puppies, I don't feel comfortable looking at a litter in a shelter and saying, these ones look okay. You also need a working dog. Yes. Like, yeah. I also need to work for well, like, you know, I mean, I yeah. know you are looking for companion, but like, but yeah, you yeah. have, I would, I think of you as having more specific and more complex needs than the average, even totally. the average dog trainer. Yeah. Um, um you know, even yeah. like you and me, Marissa, like yeah. Kayla's on a different level in terms of what she needs her dog to do for her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I don't say that when people ask me, should I get a puppy from the shelter? But I do tend to steer people towards adult dogs at shelters. And that's not me just too. me saying, oh, but there are all these old dogs that could use a home. It's really saying, you know, you know what you're getting. And actually, yeah, I totally. was going to say, like, I have personally had two puppies um, that were my dogs as an adult. And, um, those were my two that ended up with pretty, pretty significant behavior issues. Yeah. Um, incidentally, both shepherds, incidentally, both leash reactivity. Oh, weird. <laughs> you think that's incidental? Uh, maybe you really not. think that's incidental or something? Maybe not incidental. But um, what I, I actually am a little averse to puppies for that reason, because you don't know what you're getting. And even as a trainer, like there are some things that you can't mitigate, like, either in the dog's biology or development Mm -hmm. or learned, um, as puppies that, uh, manifest as adults. And so I really love, and I have had, I've been reinforced for choosing adult dogs and Mm -hmm. choosing like adult dogs that already have the personality that I like that, you know, are known quantities, um, you know, that sort of thing. And so that's another nervousness that I have with even getting a puppy from breeder. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. Because yeah. you don't yeah. really know. And, and like my first, my very first puppy, Ruckus, 
um, he got jumped by a family dog. He got jumped by one of my sister's dogs. And I believe, and he was maybe, I don't know, three and a half months old. And she didn't injure him, but she kind of beat him up. And I truly believe that that contributed to him not liking. And like, that was a freak accident. Like, nobody's fault. It just sort of happened. And like one bad experience can really shape that dog's behavior. And I just, um, I'm so... I'm so into the idea of like, I know what I'm, I'm more or less know what I'm getting when I bring home this adult dog. Like yes. I get, I, I know the personality and that sort of thing. So. And when we say adult, we really probably mean dogs that like are a, over like 18 yeah. to 24 months is like really when you're true. Yeah. That's like when they're really more adult. So, um, why don't we, we should pivot to what advice we give people yeah. um, when they're looking for dogs. Uh, yeah. Marissa? I mean, I think so far we've given some significant advice through all of our, uh, conversations Mm -hmm. and, and stories. But, um, I think one is take your time. If we were to sort of bottom line this one is take your time. You're choosing a companion that you ideally will have for a decade and a half. So like, don't rush it. It's like a tattoo. (laughs) I say this as a heavily tattooed person. Like it's going to be on your body for the rest of your life. Don't rush it. (laughs) There's no hurry. (laughs) There will be more dogs. Yeah. Yeah. There will be more dogs. Absolutely. One, don't rush it. Two, mm-hmm. be really aware of what you want and what you're looking for and what your process is. And you can become more aware by exposing yourself to a variety of types of breeds, ages, sexes, and um, personalities so that you, you can really be clear as, as to what you're looking for. That was yeah. number and two. Knowing, I found, I think with my spreadsheet, one of the things I found most helpful with that was breaking things down as far as importance. Mm-hmm. Cause like, so what's a deal breaker? Yeah. What's a deal breaker versus what's nice. So yeah. Andrew, my boyfriend is a Shiba Inu freak. Um, and there, as you guys might guess, um, <laughs> from my, many of the things on my list, they're not really, um, my ideal breed personality wise. And, um, I mean, that's, you know, as we're looking forward to our next dog watch in a year, I'm going to have a Shiba. (laughs) Um, but you know, for me uh, making sure that I kept in mind that like, yeah, ideally I want a pointy year old blue Merle border Collie. That's perfectly photogenic. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, reminding myself that that wasn't my top priority and keeping, you know, and even like, you know, the difference between like not eating my parrot and being friendly with other dogs, like being friendly with other dogs was really important to me, but I could potentially keep a dog who wasn't friendly to other dogs. Having a dog that was a significant risk to my parrot was not an option. That is something a dog would get returned for. And, you know, really having an honest conversation with the other people in your household about what those things are versus the things that you want or really, really, really want, but you're not necessarily going to return the dog for versus the things that you just kind of like want. Like, again, you know, and those are largely cosmetic things, but... Hey, if you're a professional pet photographer and you know that you need a really photogenic dog because that's going to help your business, then maybe looks are more important to you. And that's, there's nothing wrong with wanting looks, but, Mm -hmm. um, ranking it out and making sure you're aware of not all needs are equal. I would also add, um, that I see a lot of clients who get really hung up on breed, um, Mm -hmm. and, 
because a lot of the time it's because they like the way that breed looks. And I totally get that. I've told two stories about how I picked my, my two current dogs caught my eye because of how they look. Um, but, uh, I, I always try to add that breeds are selected specifically for certain behaviors and personality types. So don't let the cute Wheaton Terrier yeah. look supersede the fact that Wheaton Terriers were bred to hunt and kill small animals. They're very tenacious. They don't back down. Um, they don't always love other dogs. Like there are a lot of personality traits that are normal because we selected for them for a working dog, but that may not make it the best pet. Or it may not make it, or, or it may be a perfectly fine pet, but it may not meet the owner's expectations of like, we're going to go to the dog park or we're going to get a kitten or we're going to have <laughs> five kids running around, you know, like totally. don't let the obsession with the breed um, blind you to the breed traits that you are likely to end up dealing with. Um, and is, are those breed traits going to be a good match for your lifestyle or are they going to be manageable for your lifestyle or is it going to be a huge headache? Totally. Um, so I'm all about like, yes, if you love big fluffy dogs, like go, you know, get your Pyrenees, get your Golden Doodle, get your Wheaton Terrier, whatever. But just keep in mind, like, what is this dog, what is this breed predisposed yeah. towards? And is that going to be a good one? Mm-hmm. And how can you, you get a look that you like in... And a personality. With a breed <laughs> yeah. that you like. Um, yeah. Right. Other than, I think fostering is my like number one tip for people. But the other ones that I kind of counsel people towards are... Look for a dog that fits the life that you have, not the life that you wish you had. Right. That's a great one. And that doesn't mean... So, like, I was not a runner when I adopted Barley. I am training for my third marathon right now. But you were a competitive cross-country skier. Yeah. I was an athlete. (laughs) I wasn't getting this dog saying... you weren't, like... Competitive okay. Netflix watcher, yeah, exactly. and not, yeah. So, but anyway, but you know, active. like I did, I didn't start running until I got him, and that was because I was spending so much time exercising him, and then going and taking myself to the gym. That I was like, this is stupid. I should just exercise us both at the same time. But you were already active, yes. And what so. we saw a lot at dumb friends, and probably around shelters, kind of around the world, but especially in Colorado, there's a lot of people who live here who are like, I'm a Coloradan. I hike a lot. I'm really active. And you say, okay, great. What did you do last weekend? And they said, oh, it was the opening Broncos. Okay. Cool. What'd you do the weekend before the whole family was in town? Yeah. What do you do after work? Uh, piano lessons for the kids and brewery. soccer lessons and then breweries yeah. you know, on Fridays. It's like, okay, so you <laughs> want to think you're a really active Colorado and, and maybe you do get out and do some really big hikes. You know, yeah. you do your two big backpacking trips per year or whatever, but that doesn't mean you're equipped for, and again, I, because of my job with working dogs for conservation, I work with a lot of dogs that I think people who think of themselves as active think they want, but these dogs need like Four hours, hours of activity day. every day. They can't be weekend warriors. And anyway, so think about the life you have, not the life that you aspire to have. And that doesn't mean that your dog can't help get you there or help motivate you to get yourself there. But there needs um, to be not a huge discrepancy. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it needs to be close. <laughs> I think there's an unfortunate, I see this a lot kind of on social media and there's a lot of like feel good stories about like people with depression who are super overweight, who then like get a shelter dog and then they're like happier because of the dog and they lose a bunch of weight. And like, yes, that can happen, but like, don't count on that and don't, that's Don't a lot of pressure to put on a dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The other one that I um I like to and I stole this from Hannah Brannigan talks about this when she's selecting puppies, is she says she assumes it's all genetic um before she actually has the dog in her household, and then she assumes it's all behavior and it's all trainable. Um and I think that's important to keep in mind as well. So I think again, when you're kind of watching people dog shopping, sometimes they find a dog that they like 
50% of, and then there's another, there's a big red flag and they say, well, we can train that away. Mm. And if something is a red flag for you or a deal breaker or something you're concerned about, maybe you shouldn't consider yeah. that you can get rid of it because even the world's most skilled trainers cannot get rid of many behavior problems. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes yes, but, um, I mean, we're all in these worlds where we see trainers who bring on tough dogs and those dogs, it might be a lifelong management thing for those dogs. Mm -hmm. So anyway, assume that what you're seeing is what you are going to get, keeping in mind that the shelter environment sometimes isn't the best way to look at that. But does does that make sense? Yeah. Although sometimes being in the shelter can suppress some behaviors too. Yes. (laughs) So you you might not be seeing something that comes out later. Totally. Um, So it it does work both ways for sure. Um, But yeah, and that's, again, not to, you know, sound like a broken record, but I I love to suggest fostering because it's a great way to try out a lot of different dogs and you're helping them out in the process. And, you know, for people who say like, oh, well, how do you ever get to the point where you can give up a dog? And I always say like, you can adopt one and you've saved that one dog or you can foster 60 dogs in a year and then you've saved 60. So, you know, when you think of it that way, it takes the sting away a little bit. Again, we're kind of professionals at this, but until Barley, I didn't have a single foster dog that I had a hard time giving back. No. Honestly, I mean, and it might be different if you're really dog deprived and you're really excited about it, but... Um, if there's an expectation that you're giving the dog back and the dog isn't right for you, it probably won't be as hard as you think it will be. Yeah. And if the dog is right for you, then you can adopt it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it's, if it's killing you to give that dog back, that's all right Yeah, now. exactly. Problems. Um, win, win, win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So we are going to sign off there considering we we've talked about a lot of our (laughs) own experiences and our own dogs. We will link to videos and images so you, you can see our beloved pets. Um, and we'll also link, link to the resources that we talked about in our show notes. So thank you so much for joining us today. It was super helpful. If you are considering, uh, adding a dog, your first dog or considering, adding another dog to your, um, to your household. We hope that this information was helpful. I'm Marissa Martino, owner of Pause and Reward Dog Training in Boulder, Colorado. You can find me online at pauseandreward.com. I'm Ursa Acri. I'm the co-owner of Canis Major Dog Training in Denver, Colorado. You can find us online at canismajortraining.com or in Denver at 601 Bryant Street. That's our training and behavior center. And I'm Kayla Fratt of Journey Dog Training. You guys can find me online at Journey Dog Training. Check out our YouTube channel. Um, And we are currently um, in the process of working on a new puppy course. Um, So we've already got some courses on uh, kids and dogs and separation anxiety. Uh, We just got a new new webinar up about um, what to do when you're expecting and you've got a puppy. Um, or, or you and you already have a dog. Um, one of my trainers that works for me, it just found out she's pregnant. So we're going to be doing a bunch more about kids and dogs in the future. Um, but keep an eye out for all of that stuff. And that's on journeydogtraining.com. Yep. Yeah. That's all on journey dog training. Awesome. Uh, before we go, please be sure to subscribe to canine conversations, wherever you find your podcasts, you can find episode notes and bonus materials at canineconvos.com. That's canine all spelled out. And we'd love to hear from you. Our theme music is called Funny Song and it's provided royalty free from bensound.com. Our audio is mixed and edited by James Eady at beher.org.uk. 
And lastly, our logo is from Walker Hooper. You can find his work on Instagram at walkers underscore username. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks. Mm-hmm.